<laughs> oh, there he is. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, hey. Oh, the mics are on. I think Thank this you. is is really happening now. Yeah. We have a podcast. Oh, we're live. The uh, lights are coming on. Yeah. It's begun. All right. Before we start, um, we have an American Sign Language interpreter available. Uh, is there anyone who wants to take advantage of that service? Okay. No? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, Welcome to the Trade Waiters. This is our first ever live recording of our podcast. I can't believe we've been doing this for 50 years. Yes, it's our 50th anniversary episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, you're, if you like this panel, you can uh, listen to 49 other episodes of us reviewing other books. Well, what are you talking about? What is The Trade Waiters? <laughs> uh, the Trade Waiters is a book club, but also a podcast. Um, every episode, we read a comic and then talk about it. You can uh, get mad at us about, about our opinions and uh, complain <laughs> to your computer, uh, but then we can't hear you. But don't worry. We complain at each other plenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say. We have very different opinions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so we are not going to introduce ourselves yet because that's not what we do when we do our episodes. Uh, what we normally start with is we start with a character-building question. Yes. Um, so uh, let's. Uh, the question for today is going to be, uh, tell us your best comics conversion story, a time when you got someone hooked on comics. Okay. Uh, Should we start with Jess? No, we're going to go the other way. Okay. All right. Starting with me. So, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Jeff Ellis. Who are you? Okay. I I remember. Okay. I'm Jeff Ellis. I remember my name. And uh, I uh, was actually thinking long and hard about my best comics conversion story. And then it just came to me in an epiphany. Uh, When I was um, about 18 years old, I had a friend, uh, Matt Bond, who came out from Winnipeg and... uh, he hadn't really read comics, and I just started passing him comics. And uh, just this year, he was talking about how he's going on this big trip across Canada, and he was going to be in Toronto, and he was going to be in Toronto while TCAF was happening. And so he specifically uh, messaged me to say, what book should I be buying at TCAF? And um, he was really excited to get all this new, new comic stuff that I was going to recommend to him. And I thought, wait a minute, you wouldn't be going to TCAF if I hadn't been feeding you all these other comics all those years ago. And I, you know, we were just talking about that recently. Um, and it's funny, I said, before this podcast, I said, Are, is it fair to say I got you into comics? He said, oh, yeah, like, if you hadn't lent me V for Vendetta, like, I don't think I'd be reading comics. And I thought about our V for Vendetta episode, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I did you any favors. But, but yeah, um, but no, that's yeah, he's, he's still true. reading comics. So, yeah, that's my, that's my story. Okay. All right, and I am Jam, and uh, I don't actually have that many successful comics conversion stories in my history, but the one that jumped to mind for me is that I have a colleague uh, that I work with who's really into music, and uh, he's into music the same way that I'm into comics, and we talk about how that's different and the same, so he'll tell me, hey, he's actually in the audience right now, hi, Derek. <laughs> uh, so he'll tell me a lot about, like, how up-and-coming musicians are happening and, like, how uh, trends will flow through the music community, and I'll tell him similar things about comics. And so I handed him a mini-comic, and he's like, oh, it's like a mixtape. And that was a fun way that we were able to relate. Cool. 
Okay, uh, I'm Jonathan. Uh, I had trouble thinking, even though I'm the one who came up with this question, I had trouble thinking of a time where I had got someone hooked on comics. Uh, most of the adults that I know, I know because they're already into comics. Uh, and I teach kids, and it's easy to get kids to read comics, but kids generally aren't like comics fans, they're just comics readers. So um, a, lot of a lot of kids will read comics, but uh, it's not, they're not as excited about comics as someone who's a little older might be. Uh, so I, one story I did think of, though, is uh, I have a friend who is also a cartoonist, uh, and she had uh, a book of mine that uh, I drew. Uh, I wasn't the writer for it, uh, and she uh, would read it to her, uh, I think her daughter was four at the time. Um, and so not really the age that that book was designed for, but that's okay. Um, and uh, her daughter would, like, ask for this book to be read to her again and again, and then eventually started quoting lines back to her mom. Uh, I think the, the line, like, she was upset with her mom over something and uh, quoted back the line, uh, go back to your cups, woman. So, <laughs> <laughs> so pretty rude, but pretty awesome. <laughs> because that was, uh, that was a panel that I drew. So I'm going to take that as my comics conversion story, where um, I might not have been the, the person involved in that situation, but I was the comic involved in that situation. Nice. Nice. So um, my grandpa is 80 years old. Who are and, you, uh, Oh, I'm Jess. Um, so my grandpa is 80 years old, and um, he's educated in England. He has a political science degree, and he's fairly proper, and so um, when I started making comics, I was kind of nervous about talking to him. I didn't know what he would think about it, like he reads a lot of literature and things like that, and what his view of comics would be. Um, so I sort of worked up the courage, and I was like, what do you, you know, think of this? And um, he ended up being like, oh, I love comics. I used to read comics so much when I was a kid. I read um, Little Abner, which I don't know if anybody will know, because it's quite old, and like Fearless Fosdick, and then he got me into these old comics that I probably never would have read, so it's actually kind of a reversal story. Um, so now, uh, yeah, I have those books, and like, I think they've actually influenced my art, and then um, in reverse, I give him every comic that I make or like anthology that I'm involved in, and he reads them all, and like we talk about comics together, which is like really great, because I kind of went in, um, it was bad of me, I went in with an assumption about somebody and was totally wrong and was glad that we could bond over that. Okay. Comics. Good story. Bringing people together. Yeah. yeah. That actually blends in well with uh, what our topic is for today's episode. Um, if you've listened to the Trade Waiters before, then you'll know that one of the things we talk about a lot is how comics can be for everybody, that anyone can be a comics reader, uh, and we want more comics readers of all kinds. So uh, the topic for today is going to be a little different from our usual format. Instead of presenting a single book and talking about it, we're going to talk about how to hook your friends on comics. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and I'm going to start us off here. So we've each picked a book that we think uh, would be a good tool to use to hook someone into comics. Um, and uh, I'm going to go first here. Uh, I brought uh, the, the Elephant and Piggy books by Mo Willems. Um, which uh, there might be some controversy over whether or not you think it counts as a comic. Well, does Scott McCloud, would it, would it fit Scott McCloud's definition of a comic, yeah. which is pictures in <laughs> sequence, right? Well, that tell a story? let me present the evidence to you. So okay. <laughs> um, typically each page is a panel, 
and, and they have speech balloons, but having speech balloons doesn't necessarily make it a comic by Scott McCloud's definition. Uh, however, once in a while, uh, he will break up a page uh, into multiple panels. So I, I pulled up your page. slide here. Yeah. Uh, people who are listening to the podcast at home, you won't get to see any of these, as usual, whenever we talk about pages <laughs> in our completely non-auditory medium. But uh, sometimes he'll break up pages into individual panels. So this page, at least, is definitely a comic. Uh, and the reason that I wanted to bring this in is because these books are sort of emergent reader level. Uh, if anyone grew up reading Dr. Seuss, this is sort of that same re reading level where this might be someone's first book that they read themselves. Uh, and so Dr. Seuss is great. Dr. Seuss still works. Like, we still get kids to read Dr. Seuss. But uh, I like Elephant and Piggy and the Pigeon uh, books for two reasons. One, because they get kids excited about reading which is important. That's part of my job, is trying to get kids to actually read. Um, and because they're a lot of fun, and they're like exactly the right level if you can only like handle so many words and so many sentences. Uh, but also, uh, I like them because they kind of sneak in the idea of comics, where it might be if your first book that you read to yourself is an elephant and piggy book, that your first book is actually a comic. Mm. which is pretty exciting. Uh, and kids love these books. Uh, they, because they're structured like a comic, uh, it's only the dialogue. There's no description. Um, so you only have to be able to handle like conversational English at a basic level, and you still get a story out of it based on the pictures and what the characters are doing. So uh, it's great for getting kids to read, and it's great for getting kids to read comics. Get them young, that's what I always say. <laughs> Can I just, oh, it, like quickly jump in and confirm because I read uh, the pigeon books as a kid and um, we had this project where we had to set a book of our choice to music and so I picked music to go with this comic and it was <laughs> I just like loved it like I was it was so engaged like it got the class like really excited about it and like I remember people really liking those books so yeah okay oh yeah getting getting I don't think comics, I the same author. comics in the hands of kids is like so important because I remember uh, when I was young, uh, I think one of my first memories of reading a comic was on Halloween. Someone was giving out little tiny, like, Ashcan Marvel comics. And that was the greatest thing I ever got that Halloween, was this little, like, Spider-Man comic that was, like, about as big as this. Instead of and candy? Instead of candy. Mm -hmm. Like, it was better than candy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, so that, that lasted. The candy was all eaten by, by, you know, by the first two weeks. And, like, I still had that book for, like, years afterwards. Uh, and then I, you know, there's the scholastic system where you can get Calvin and Hobbes and like all that other good stuff. So if you want your kids to start reading comics, like get some good comics for them to read at a young age. Maybe start with Elephant uh, and Piggy. Elephant yeah. and Piggy. Yeah. And if they're a little older, there's a great book out on the floor there, Sparks. That's yep. also a good one. Uh -huh. Yeah, and we we discuss <laughs> this on the podcast quite often, but we're actually in a renaissance for comics for young readers. Uh, I know when I was young, I was just scrambling to get whatever I could find, and it was really, really difficult. But now there's so much out there at every level, and it's, it's a great time to, to raise a comic reader. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would say about these books in particular as well is that uh, when it comes to comics for this age group, uh, like emerging readers, there's really nothing else that's comics and for this level. 
Uh, I mean, we'll, when we get to Jess's book, we'll talk about slightly older readers, but uh, like below about grade four, there's not much. There's um, anything written by Mo Willems and um, nothing else. <laughs> so I think this is a, a, even though we're in this renaissance of comics, that's one thing that I don't think publishers have really tackled very effectively yet is uh, how do you get kids to read comics before they're old enough to read Bone or Smile. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, one last thing I want to mention, because I think it relates to what I'm going to be talking about later, is I think this seems really important for laying a foundational vocabulary in comics. So even if it's not panels in sequence, that you even have characters with like speech balloons, it gets you with comfortable with the idea that, oh, when there's words in a circle with a line coming out of it, that means this person is saying that. And it's interesting to me when I encounter people, there are people who have comics illiteracy, and so I think that you know, starting them reading comics at a young age uh, makes it easier to interpret more complicated works in the future, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, that's actually one of my unsuccessful comic conversion stories, where um, my friend was fairly open to the idea of comics, but she, her issue was that she couldn't read them. Like, it was a deep issue with visual literacy and interpreting these images. Um, and, yeah, I think this is a great thing to talk about to kind of open those doors to, you know, more sort of ways of uh, processing stories. And Because yeah. um, there's so much great stuff out there. And, like, when we get to Jeff Smith, like, he has a big push for considering comics literature and considering them, you know, like, nice, a nice art form. So... Giving people more opportunities is good, and getting them used to the medium is good. Yeah. yeah, and there's like basic the the comics literacy can lead back into the prose literacy because the process mm-hmm. of reading panels, uh, you need to know what order to read them in, and it just so happens that that order is the same order as reading lines of text. So, um, reading skills in comics are very closely related to reading skills in other forms of writing. Absolutely. Okay. Should we we talk about our next book? Sure. Speaking of Jeff Smith. (laughs) It's Bone. Um, (laughs) This is going to be, I guess, an audience interaction moment. Um, Can you raise your hand if you've read Bone in its entirety? I think I'm only seeing four hands. Okay. So I was a bit, I was wondering um, about this pick. Um, And the reason I was wondering is because it's won like 38 awards and it's sold over a million copies. But I think at this point, because it first came out in... um, 91, I think, is an indie comic. So um, it's been almost like 30 years, and maybe it's a good thing to pick because people might not have heard about it since so much time has passed, or maybe people haven't read it it's in, in its entirety. And um, I just think everything about it is great. I think the art is really inspiring. Um, the story is wonderful. The writing is great. There's a lot of writing in this as well, um, a lot of dialogue, a lot of story. And um, it's complete now. It's in full color as well. So if you want to get into this, there's like nine whole volumes, I believe, to read. Um, One thing that's interesting about this book is that though um, we are sort of presenting this for um, maybe like, what would you say, like uh, 6 to 12 range, um, I think anybody can enjoy this. I I reread the series um, for this podcast, and um, I loved it so much. Like, it was really enjoyable on the second read, and um, just, like, incredibly inspiring um, as an artist. And still, like, there's still a lot to, like, take away at any um, skill or age level. Yeah, Jeff Smith is considered a master cartoonist, and it definitely 
uh, flows through his work. There's some incredible, I know that we discussed this on our, on our podcast, so if you're interested in this, there's a whole hour of us just gushing about Jeff <laughs> bone. But the way that uh, action is portrayed and sound effects, uh, and it's a really funny, charming work as well that I, I agree. I think anyone can enjoy bone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my experience working in classrooms is that uh, it's difficult to find a kid in fourth grade, fourth grade who has not read Bone. Like, grade four seems to be the year where Bone makes the rounds and everyone gets a turn and everyone reads this book. Uh, <laughs> and it becomes a sort of, like, common language then, where everyone has at some point read this book. And you don't find very many comics like that, given how big comics is now, that there aren't very many comics that you can say, everyone has read this comic. Or works in general. Yeah. 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 Like, even television now is becoming so diverse that uh, that common language and platform that everyone can relate to is, is really difficult to find. Mm-hmm. And another thing we talked about in our Bone episode was that even though the cartooning skill in uh, Bone is very high and the, the dialogue is sometimes a little difficult, there's a lot of big vocabulary, the, the way that the panels are structured are very basic. Like, it's easy, like, it, it's good for a low level of comics literacy, where you can start without having read any comics, and you can figure it out because the panels are so obvious where, where to go next, mm-hmm. which is important, especially for comics for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't that's know. very true. I think just the like really expressive lettering too. I I, I just like the. Um, I feel like even just the the size and shape of the letters would kind of be very inviting to like a new a new reader. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I don't know. Just looking at this page, I was like struck with. I forgot how good the lettering was on this <laughs> on this work. Yeah. Uh, I've been really starting to appreciate good lettering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I think one other thing that's kind of cool about Bone as well is that. Um, when you want to get somebody into comics, it, it does also depend on, like, what are their current tastes and, uh, you know, what do they like? And, like, we were talking about earlier how, like, sometimes a barrier for getting people into comics is that they think comics is a genre, that it is, like, this one thing, and often it's, um, they think it's, like, superheroes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, superhero stuff is awesome, but um, if you know somebody who may be, like, that's something that's sort of turning them away from comics, like, I don't really like superhero stuff, um, this is something like quite different. It's maybe I would say compared a bit more to like Lord of the Rings, um, and uh, but then you also have like elements of like classic like Sunday funnies, like with the Bone characters themselves have these like um, sweet like cartoony styles. So it's kind of a combination of styles, which is unique. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely what's our just... next? What's our oh. next book? Or did you have something else to say about or, Bone? Oh, uh, I. I'm, I think Bone's a great recommendation. So I'm, okay. Yeah, sorry. All right. So uh, not every kid <laughs> has read comics, uh, and you may have adult friends who missed this whole graphic novel explosion that's happening right now. So you can't necessarily give them a copy of Elephant and Piggy. So what are we going to give to older potential readers? Yeah, and so uh, my role sort of on the Trade Waiters is being the one who has read the most manga, I think. I don't know, Jess, maybe you can give me a run for my money, but (laughs) I consider myself someone who knows a lot about manga. And manga in particular is something that I think is tricky to get people into, especially, and, and you know, even people who read a lot of other comics. Manga has a lot of particularities to it, and it can be it can turn someone off. If you give someone the wrong manga, 
they'll just completely lose faith in the entire genre. And manga is huge now. You can go into any bookstore and just see shelf upon shelf upon shelf upon shelf of manga. And just like comics, all of these are very different. And it's very, very difficult to know which one to recommend. The one that I usually turn to is a book called Yotsuba. Uh, sometimes it's called Yotsubato. Sometimes it's called Yotsuba and. And the structure of all of these books is Yotsuba and the the smelter fish. I forget what. Like It's all Yotsuba and something. Uh, and it's this story of Yotsuba, who is the, the character with green hair. She's four years old. She's just moved to Japan. She's adopted. And it's a story told through her perception. And what I love about this book is that I think it is... Nothing is universally relatable, but this is pretty close. It's a story told through the point of view of a four-year-old, just wide-eyed and wonder about the world. And it's so funny. <laughs> Yotsuba is a really weird kid. And uh, this comic does a lot of the things that I think manga really does well. Uh, so if you could just take a look at some of these expressions. This is just a collection of Yotsuba expressions. And... Uh, <laughs> Manga is great at these really extreme, really uh, emotive expressions, and I think that's a really great way to bring someone into the world of manga and what manga has potential for. Uh, and on top of that, I think it's a manga that you could read at any time. So certainly there are some comics that I have to be in the right emotional mindset. Emotional mindset? A mood. <laughs> I have to be in the right mood to... Uh, to like a comic, to appreciate a comic. But Yotsuba is so light and so funny and uplifting that I could read it almost at any time of day. So, Yeah, I love Yotsuba. It's one of my favorite manga. It's the, the, the funniest one I've ever read. Uh, and I think a big part of that is just because the jokes translate well. Because a lot of other comedy manga, like translating jokes from Japanese to English is not easy. These jokes are all from the point of view of a four-year-old, so you're going to get these jokes. Yeah. Um, I actually brought uh, a copy of Yotsuba into a grade four class once. Like, I brought like a stack of comics and like gave them these comics for like silent reading time. So kids were reading these different books, uh, and because I thought of all the manga I actually have, this is the only one that really would work for that age range. It's not written for kids, uh, but it can be read by kids. Uh, and the only thing that uh, kids seem to have difficulty with is the fact that everything is backwards. Yeah, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why I like Yotsuba as a recommendation for a new reader, uh, to manga especially. Most of the manga these days is sold flipped. So it's sold being read uh, right to left? Right to the left. opposite of English. Yeah, the opposite yeah. of whatever it is here. It, like uh, that, and so. that... that that's action, right. that action of turning a book no, backwards right. from what you're used to and reading a panel sequence backwards from what you're used to is enough of a hurdle that it could turn someone off. And when the plot is pretty easy to follow, the panel sequence compared to a lot of other manga is usually pretty straightforward. Manga, one of the things that I love about it, it has all these crazy panel layouts with diagonals and weird teeny tiny verticals and you don't know exactly where it is you're reading. Yotsuba is pretty clean. Mm -hmm. uh, and despite being pretty different from Western comics and dynamic, uh, it doesn't present that hurdle uh, as often, and I think it gives the reader a lot of enjoyment. Yeah, so uh, I guess that we're seeing a trend here where uh, a lot of our recommendations are books that 
require a low level of comics literacy <laughs> to understand what's happening. Yeah, and it's a, it's a huge thing, I think, to talk about. When you have someone who grew up reading comics or learned to read comics on their own and the sheer interest motivated them to do it, they don't realize that comics literacy is a thing that other people lack. It's not something that you really think about. Of like, It's such a passive skill that it's not something that you notice you've developed. Yeah. yeah no, this absolutely. is why my mom doesn't read comics. Except for my comics. <laughs> uh, because she doesn't have comics literacy. Like She has trouble figuring out, like, where do I go? Where's the next panel? Like, What order do I read the speech balloons in? Mm -hmm. So for someone who lacks comics literacy, something like Yotsuba would probably be a better recommendation. Yeah, this is what I consistently hear from my family. Is they're like, I really liked your story in the anthology. And I'm like, what did you think of the other ones? Like, I didn't understand. It was just a bunch of pictures. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, make, couldn't make sense of it. Um, <laughs> So I, I mean, I will say, like, I, I definitely have found, like, it's a real... I, every time I read a manga, I have to calibrate my brain to, to switch everything. And, and as much as I understand that they flip them so that the sound effects can stay integral and the art is, is, stays the same so that everyone isn't left-handed... It's also um, cheaper. It's way cheaper, cheaper than, than not flip than it. flipping it. But, I mean, there are times I think, man, maybe it would make sense to just have this North American style for North American reading... <laughs> um, See, I think Yotsuba would be a good one to flip. Yeah. I think most manga you could like stay in its original format, and that would be fine. But Yotsuba seems like something that is should be available to more readers. Mm -hmm. And I think if you flip the art, as much as that's like taking something away from it, I think it would expand its potential audience. Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say though, like um, when you mentioned about people's first manga putting them off, I think coming into Trade Waiters, I had just read the wrong mangas. So um, since we've started Trade Waiters, uh, you've introduced me to many excellent mangas. Uh, so here's another one I can add to my list. Because uh, I have no point of reference on this. So all of this is new <laughs> information for me. Uh, so I'm interested to maybe, maybe look at Yotsuba in the future. Well, we yeah, have to do an episode on it. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe there, we, there it is. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say about Yotsuba? I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, Jeff, what's your pick? Okay. Well, so, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I didn't quite get the memo, but uh, I, I recommended Acme Novelty Library number 18, uh, which um, is by Chris Ware. Um, he's a cartoonist out of Chicago, and he's also done um, Jimmy Corrigan, The Smartest Boy in the World, uh, and Quimby the Mouse, and um, he often does illustrations for The New Yorker. Um, and he does really experimental comics. So the first uh, opening spread... Uh, I just did a sample here, but um, like to read this, you actually need to kind of rotate the entire book in your hand. So while you're reading it, you're just kind of tactile, like rotating this book as you read. Um, and I think I was thinking about this more in terms of a book that uh, would get your friend interested in comics um, when they're already kind of maybe... Uh, understanding the basics of comics, and they're maybe looking to get away from just reading superhero comics. Sort of, how do you how do you get into comics like, like high literature comics? Is sort of what I was thinking. Uh, and if I actually rereading, I reread this before we did the panel, and I actually had a, a moment of hesitation because of the some of the complexity uh, in the work that I thought maybe it's a little bit opaque, um, but. Then I realized that in a lot of the scenes, he also has these wonderful quiet moments. And um, now he breaks your rule of the grid, so he doesn't <laughs> offset his panels. He has these perfectly aligned grids. Um, 
But I found that looking at these, I actually thought these are actually really wonderful ways of building up your, your, your visual literacy because there are no words. Um, there's just a few sparse sound effects and um, the panels are presented in a way where you can kind of roam over the page and it's sort of these little moments in time of this woman, say, like working at the flower store. And you can sort of read that at your own pace. There's not this like, you can spend like an hour just staring at this this art if you wanted to, or you can just rush through it and get to the next uh, line of dialogue. Um, and then he also has uh, lots of uh, sections in the book um, where the whole page is out of order, um, but he has these guiding lines. So all those like lines you're seeing that are cutting across the page, they're leading you from one scene to another scene to another scene. So you're sort of reading the page out of order, but he's giving you like little arrows showing you how to read it out of order. And it's funny because when I teach comics, I tell my students, if you have to draw arrows to show people how to read it, you're doing it wrong. But I feel like he's gotten to a point in his craft where he can do that intentionally to sort of create an experience. The same way I'm rotating this book to read it, um, he's intent intending me to have to interface with this in kind of a, a different way. Like he wants the reader to sort of be shaken up from their traditional experience of reading comics and have to experience it differently. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I was thinking this, this is definitely something where, why I brought up the literacy earlier, is if you don't have that foundation of the basics of comic vocabulary and comics grammar, you, you're probably going to get lost reading this, but I think if you're looking to really uh, make the argument for comics as art, uh, I think this is maybe what my recommendation would be. And I think that's important because I think there are lots of people who the reason they don't want to read comics is because they don't see the value. They don't see that they're going to get anything out of it that they want. They're not looking to just read jokes. They could watch TV for that. But... I think Chris Ware is something that was actually recommended to me at a point where I was like, I don't want to do more superheroes. I don't know where to go next. Uh, and I think it's the right recommendation for someone at a certain point. If they're at that point where they want to see the, the art of comics, they want to know what is the best thing that comics can do? What's the most challenging thing that comics can do? I think giving them Chris Ware, uh, you can get that across without challenging them with some other things that say, like, I think Watchmen would not be a good recommendation. Mm. I know for some people that's their first comic. Yeah, and I would, just because that came up, I will say, like, <laughs> if you want your friend who's never read comics before to like comics, don't give them Watchmen. <laughs> uh, if you want your friend who's spent 20 years of their life reading superhero comics to read a good book, you should recommend Watchmen because they'll be like, wow, it's like what I've read before, but twisted. Uh -huh. uh, if you've never read a comic before, don't start with Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't even start with Acme Novelty Library, to be honest. But Well, uh. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think you could start with Acme Novelty Library and be okay. It depend, depending on the person, of course. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd have a really interesting experience. And I, I think this is a really interesting pick. I, I like the way that you introduce this in terms of like it's kicking it up to the next level because when I think back about what keeps me passionate about comics, it is the weird stuff. Mm. It is when people do something really, really unique with the medium. Uh, we don't have a picture example of this, but have, have any of you read Scott McCloud's The Sculptor? 
Not yet. No. Oh, we should okay. do a trade waiters on that. It's like 800 pages long. <laughs> None of you want to read it for the trade waiters. But uh, Scott McCloud is at a level of his craft now where he does things that are just so unique that could only happen in comics. That like the page turn itself is instrumental to how you are experiencing the story. Or like how you physically need to turn this book to experience it. Or how the layout of the grid uh, is adding an extra dimension to the storytelling. All of these things are what really keep me interested in the medium and wanting to push it forward and explore what it can do. Uh, and I think that could get someone hooked on comics for life, for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think definitely, like, if you're just looking for new and different narratives, I think this is a good direction to go in. Uh, I think one other thing I'll mention, though, because you had mentioned about being in the right headspace for certain works. I think one thing I would say for, uh, in, if you want to start with Chris Ware... Uh, make sure you're already in a good mood and you're feeling pretty good about things because um, there's a lot of... A lot He's of, not going to make you cheerful yeah, and happy. Yeah, there, like, there was actually like one of the little sub-threads in here was like about a dead cat, and I just was like, I just really was not in the mood for that right now. Like. <laughs> okay, um, so I have one more thing that I'd like us to do. I didn't warn any of you about this ahead of time, Ooh. but uh, I was thinking that... We've presented four different comics that could get someone into comics, uh, but maybe there, there's so many comics out there, and there's so many different, uh, so many different readers, and everybody's different. Uh, maybe let's just do some quick shout-outs for other comics that you think should be in your repertoire if you're trying to hook someone into comics. And let's say none of these for, none of these four are the right one. Mm. What are some sort of backups that you could have, like in, in your back pocket to pull out? Well, what about this one? Uh, this one, Summer, is the first one that springs to mind. Mm. Uh, and I noticed it being sold in the auxiliary gymnasium or whatever, but it's a, it's a tremendous coming-of-age work. Uh, that's a really deep experience of Canadiana, and I think it's just an important work, period, not just an important comic. Yeah, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're trying to convince someone of the value of comics and what comics can achieve, this one, Summer, is perfect, because uh, in my opinion, it's one of the best comics ever made. Oh yeah, that's a that yeah. is a fantastic book. Julian uh, Tamaki's like yeah, the, the Tamaki sisters are amazing cousins. Yeah, or cousins, sorry, yeah, cousins. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, uh, another one I was actually th that came to mind was anything by uh, uh, Guy Delisle, mm. um, and he does uh, now his newest work, Hostage, is maybe a little more uh, inaccessible because it's quite long and it's about a very specific story, but. Some of his earlier works, like uh, Pyeongchang, are about his experiences living in a foreign country and his impressions of that country. And so they sort of act as these auto-bio, but also travel journals. And um, I find that um, they can be kind of accessible because uh, of the subject matter. So I know a lot of people who maybe, uh, a regular comic, they would think, oh, I don't know, I'm not really into fantasy or, or sci-fi uh, with this, it's like, no, it's about this guy living in North Korea. And you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm interested in North Korea. I'll read about that. Or, you know, he's living in Malaysia. Oh, I, I, I went to Malaysia once. I want to read this guy's experiences traveling. Mm -hmm. So I'd say Guy, Guy Delisle is a good, good recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking of this one summer as well. Um, beautiful comic. And so I'm going through my head thinking about all of these yeah, different comics, and um, I think, can I pick a webcomic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to suggest Feast... Webcomics aren't comics. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the trade waiters. <laughs> um, I'm going to re recommend Feast for a King. 
Okay. Um, it is uh, like, you know, rated R. So just a heads up for everybody. It's very, very gory. And um, but for me, um, that one was always really fascinating because it has uh, an incredible story and art. But it's really it because it's a web comic. It can really push the boundaries of comics in incredible ways. So parts of it are basically animated, or um, it is still a still image. But as you're clicking through, because you're clicking, it's a web comic. Um, it's like uh, slides in an animation. Um, so it's not a GIF. It's not. I know like some web comics, um, they do actual like full animations with like sound and color and things like this. Um, but this is so, a whole other thing that I haven't really ever seen before, and it's also a really fascinating story. Okay, um, I think I'm going to recommend Persepolis uh, mm. by Marjan Satrapi. Uh, it's another one where uh, it's easy to hook people based on the topic. Uh, so if you... What is the topic? The, it's uh, an autobio story about her experience growing up in Iran and then moving to France. It was during the Iranian Revolution as yeah, well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, she lived through the, re the revolution. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think if you tell people what it's about, they'll want to read it. And then, oh, it's a comic. You have to read a comic now. So <laughs> I think you can sort of trick people into re having to read it that way. And then maybe they'll realize that, hey, comics are good. Maybe you, I can read some more. Do you know, honestly, I'm pretty sure I've talked to at least one person who has said, oh, I read that Persepolis book. I really liked it. And I'd say, oh, well, you know, I could recommend some other good comics. And they say, oh, I don't read comics. <laughs> I've never read a comic before. I'm not going to start reading comics. Like, but you just read Persepolis, right? Well, that's... That's it's different. different. Yeah. And I think uh, Persepolis <laughs> also benefits from the fact that it was turned into a movie, which got quite a bit of notoriety. So mm -hmm. it's like it has that name recognition as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It, it sounds like something you should have read. Yeah. Oh, you haven't read Persepolis? Oh, my God. <laughs> well. What's up with you? Okay. So uh, we are going to do our um, sh uh, shout-outs at the end. We've got a little bit of time. But we could do questions, questions if, we, if anyone has any questions. Or if you've got books that you think that uh, people should read as their first comic. We can put it on our podcast for posterity. Or what was your first comic? <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. I could do both at once because uh, like when I was a kid, I started reading Calvin and Hobbes, which is like in the book forms. I'm not old enough to read it in papers, but uh, that's what got me on comics. And then about two years ago, I gave it to my cousin who was in grade one, some of the comics, and now he's so he's reading them like all the time when I see him. So. Yeah, okay, the first so one the, was so Calvin, Calvin and Hobbes. Hobbes. Yeah, yeah. That's, I thought about that one too. That's always a good recommendation. I think that's really what got me into comics, honestly. <laughs> Though I will say also uh, it was the 10th anniversary book that got me to drop the idea of becoming a Sunday cartoonist, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be another future. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'll episode. save that for the <laughs> future episode. Okay. The uh, Empire Strikes Back. Empire okay, Strikes Back, adapted as a comic. Back in the early days, yeah, they... Oh, through Marvel Comics. Oh. Oh, so this is this is the original um, adaptation. Oh wow, of Star that sounds Wars, because I know they, there's new adaptations now, and they've declared like all the previous stuff isn't canon. So this is the original canon. Okay. They just ripped. They just tipped the script and threw it. Oh wow, this that sounds is... cool. Mass, mass market came back in the early 80s. 
Wow, you bring up a really interesting point, though, which is the fact that a lot of properties now have comic adaptations or comic expansions. So I know Rick and Morty is a really good uh, comic version. There's a lot of Steven Universe comics out. So if there's something that there are still a lot of Star Wars comics, and if you have a friend who's a really big fan of something, you can twist that into comics reading by finding a related comic for your yeah. friend. Which is much easier to do now that there's so many comics in the world. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> any other first comics? Okay, uh, we're just about out of time. So the way we usually end these episodes is uh, everyone gives a shout-out for uh, a comic that they're reading. And because we're at VanCaf, uh, I'm going to make you give a recommendation for something that's actually at the show. Okay. All right. uh, and then while you're doing that, tell us who you are and what table you are at. Okay. All right. Oh, I guess I'll go first. Uh, so I'm Jeff Ellis. I'm at the Cloudscape table. Um, we're in the gym just as you come through the door at uh, G- G1, pretty sure. Um, and we have our new music anthology, Swan Song. Uh, and m- I think most of the people, at, no, everyone at this table has contributed a story to this book. So all the trade waiters did a story in here. Um, so you can come pick that up. I also have my own uh, little mini comic, uh, Tales from the Cruise, which is about when I went on a tr- uh, cruise this last September along the eastern seaboard. Uh, and you can find out about what it's like being on a cruise ship. Um, but my shout-out uh, is for uh, Home by the Michaud brothers. Uh, I had a nice chat with uh, one of the brothers. Uh, and they came out here from... Uh, I'm think Montreal. I'm not 100% sure right now. Um, and he pitched this to me as um, Battlestar Galactica meets Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> so it's like a sci-fi universe, but there's no war going on. And I was like, okay, no war going on in a sci-fi universe. Sold. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. All right. I'm Jam. I'm at Table D9 in the atrium uh, just outside here. Uh, my shout out is for uh, Super Late Bloomer by Julia Kay. Uh, she's up from California. She's at table A zero, I think. I don't in know. In the the in the in the atrium. Yeah. Or, or in the gym? No. No, not the gym. No, in the yeah. atrium. Uh, and the other thing that I'm I'm very very into uh, on top of manga is autobio comics. And so she's made this really heartfelt, really fascinating autobio comic uh, about her journey, and I highly recommend it. Okay, uh, I'm Jonathan, um, and I'm at table J11, I think, in the gym. Uh, I'm going to shout out, I know we've talked about this on Trade Waiters before, but I'm going to shout out Sparks by Ian Boothby and Nina Matsumoto again, because I have a little story to go with it. Uh, I brought a copy into my classroom to put in like the class library so that the kids can read it, and since the first day I brought it into the class library, one kid has kept it in his desk uh, hoarding it so no one else gets to read it because that's how much he likes it. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Jess. You can find me in the gym, table H4. Um, and I'm going to recommend um, pretty much everything by Anna Braun. Um, she's basically sitting across from me, actually. And uh, I think believe her new book is called Pegasus, which I got a copy of, and I can't wait to read it. It looks beautiful. Nice. And if you enjoyed gabbing about comics, nerding out about comics, we have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And we have flyers here that you can come to remind yourself. Yeah. We've done 50 episodes now. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's going to work well on audio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want a copy of the, uh, the lovely art we've had projected on the wall here, you can get a little sample on our flyer. 
Okay, last thing. Uh, Jess, what's our next episode going to be? Oh, uh, Fante Bukowski by uh, Noah Van Skyver. Okay, so look for that in the future when I get around to editing all these episodes because I'm way behind. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, that's all it. Right. Happy Vancast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much for Thank coming. You. Bye. <laughs>